0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money saver tire and service deals today. Dobbs, with 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Always happy to catch up with one of my favorite players watching uh, for the Kansas city Royals it is Jeremy Guthrie. He was a pitcher for them, Alex, when they went to back to back world series, it went pretty well for the Royals back in the mid 2010s. <laughs> He's joining us now via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Jeremy, it's great to hear from you, man. Thanks so much for joining us from Hawaii. We, we appreciate you taking some time with us. I don't How even you know if I today, would have man? answered the phone in Hawaii. Hey,
1: it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. It's uh. <laughs> Just started pouring down rain out here, so I'm trying to get out of the rain, don't want to get flooded out.
0: That's not what we would expect <laughs> calling from Hawaii. Right, <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeremy, we wanted to lean on your expertise today because we're trying to understand uh, what's going on with these back and forths between the players and the owners right now in these CBA negotiations. Uh, you've been a part of these. You were a player rep back in 2012. Uh, can you bring us into that room for a second? What was your experience like negotiating back and forth with the owners when you were in that role?
1: Well, generally, it's just like to kind of understand the way it was for us, is we would have a, a group of players, generally anywhere between maybe six and 12, along with uh, the majority of the staff of the Players Association. and we would sit across um, and negotiate with Rob and uh, you know who Rob was the lead negotiator at the time. It's now Dan Halem, who is also present. Uh, we never had um, you know I, I was never around to, to negotiate with Bud Selig, and then there would be, on occasion, there would be an owner, but not commonly. It was usually just the lawyers from, from, the, uh, from the league. And you would sit there and you would talk about issues and challenges and they would share kind of their perspective. We would share ours and then you'd go back um, and formulate an, a, an offer that would be sent over and that would kind of trigger, um, you know, further conversations or responses. Generally, it was, it was cordial. You could see there was a lot of posturing and kind of, you know, preparation for what the offer was going to be, one side or the other. Uh, there were times where it would get contentious, and it was usually by a couple of comments or someone would just say something to try to incite or try to put their foot down. And the whole idea that you know a side will like stomp their foot or mark, you know, mark their territory and walk off—that's real. Uh, that happens, and I think I think, <laughs> think generally, generally, it's it's posturing, but it certainly can you know, slow down negotiations uh, when that happens. So uh, is that a good look? I'm trying to get the best kind of look into what it actually physically looks like when it's happening.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's spot on with it, Jeremy, and we appreciate it. The part that gets me, you know, you you use that – that kind of description of, you know, stomping the foot in certain circumstance like that and it sounds like the CBT is the massive issue that the owners are stomping their feet on. Can you try and explain this a little bit more because BK and I have just been so confused as to why the owners are so hesitant with the CBT.
1: Well, the CBT is as close to a salary cap that the league has been able to come up with. And I believe the CBT came into effect either after the strike in '95 or maybe even in 2002, which was the year I was drafted, and they came up with an agreement last minute um, to be able to continue to play baseball. And so I was, you know, I was particularly benefited by good negotiations in '02, and which is why I took an interest in being a part of it uh, once I got into the league um, in '04. Is because had we not negotiated well and come up with a deal, my career would have not started on time. And who knows you know, what kind of other factors would have come in. Um, but the CBT, the league is very wise, right? They have very, very great lawyers. The, the union has great lawyers as well. But they found a way to essentially institute a, a salary cap. And that's evidenced by the fact that there's a CBT with penalties both the first, second, and third offenses. And it progressively gets much, much worse. And if you look back in the last uh, 10 or so years, I think the number of teams that have exceeded the threshold for spending, so for the the fan that doesn't maybe understand it, if a team goes over a certain amount in salary in a year, they pay a tax on the amount that goes over. And it's hefty, I think it's maybe 35 or 40%. And then it it increases if you do it consecutive years or three years in a row, which I'm not sure if that's been done three years in a row. If it has, it's only been by one or two teams. And so what it does, the evidence is showing that teams don't go over it. And when they do, they certainly don't go over it twice. And the amount of teams that go over it is minimal. Maybe you know, less than five, I think, are the ones that actually exceed the, the threshold for spending. And so from the player's perspective, what we've seen is this is very much a salary cap. That's the way it's acting. And so the owners have gotten what they've always wanted, what the, what the fighting was for. The majority of you know, the 70s or 80s was for a salary cap. And they've accomplished more or less what they want. And so that's why they're so firm in keeping it. And players obviously have recognized that this has not worked out the way that they anticipated. And so they're willing to, to fight for, for freedom of you know, negotiation and just free market. And so that's where there's a big, big rift and, um, and challenge between the two sides.
0: Jeremy, my my concern is, and, and I'm I'm a players guy. I, I'm I'm pro union on this. My my concern would be the CBT threshold is such a big thing for the owners that you're not going to be able to find uh, a way to get at least twenty three different owners to agree to uh, to boosting this. Is there a way in your mind that instead of boosting that CBT, maybe you keep that where the owners are at currently? Do you think there's a way to backdoor some sort of a floor into these negotiations? I know that essentially becomes a cap, and I get that, and that is something that players have been against for for decades now, as you mentioned. But right now, one of the biggest issues for the players is you've got these teams that are spending nothing. They've actually gone down in their spending over the last six years. Is there a way that that could be implemented into the CBA that would make sense for the players in your mind?
1: Yeah, and I'm sure there is. Of course, that could be a, a benefit to the game. And when you look at it from the players' perspective, genuinely, they, they, I do feel players want the best for the game. They want the, that's why you hear the narrative all of competition and spending because the result is when you don't spend, you don't win. Essentially, right? That's what we've seen. Um, and that's there's great some great organizations that have found a formula to do it well. So that's not to say the Tampas and the Oaklands and, and many others, but gen- generally when you don't spend and you start tanking, There's become it seems like the incentive to lose and spend less has increased. So a floor would help that. But at the end of the day, long-term, I think the argument that you continue to see is the game itself, the revenue produced in the game has increased many, many more times than the compensation for players. You see teams sell for hundreds of millions of dollars and then resell for billions of dollars. And there's been evidence, very clear evidence, that salaries have not gone anywhere near that. In fact, salaries have actually depressed other than the big guys. The big guys, you're seeing bigger per-year salaries out there, breaking records. But, of course, it's one, two, maybe even three guys. And so it would would help with the competition side. It would not help long-term, though, with what the players ultimately are fighting for, which is free market and being compensated for their talents on the field in the short window that they have to earn money. Um, I think that's something really important to, to consider as well. As you look at the perspective right now, what are, what are the players sacrificing and what are the teams sacrificing and ultimately what are the fans sacrificing, which would be the first question. And we know the fans are losing everything. They have nothing to gain whatsoever in these negotiations, not a single thing. Their love for the game decreases their appreciation for it, uh, it decreases. We're going to lose fans because of this um, there's no winners on the fan side the players side they're ultimately fighting for a cause and so their hope is that they'll eventually get some of that and earn some of those things they're fighting for to help today but also to help future generations the unique thing is if 60 percent of the league makes league minimum you know five hundred and six hundred thousand dollars is a good chunk of money but to earn that for five or six years before you get kicked out of the league, it really doesn't make a difference in your life. You're going to have to go out and work the rest of your life. And so players, right now, are giving up all their salaries. You know, some guys there's a fraction at the top that, of course, are making multi millions and already made hundreds of millions of dollars. And to them, it's maybe not as much of a financial sacrifice long term. But other players, that's their whole incentive. That's their whole money. And so when you think about the teams, so they talk about how they don't make money in baseball, which, you know. That's another topic. In reality, you look at it and say, well, who's suffering the most of this? Who actually has the greatest leverage? And it's clear to see who has the leverage. Most owners have other businesses. Their livelihood is not baseball. They do it because they they love the game or they have an interest in owning a professional team. But there's some big losers, the fans at the top of the list, the players, and the organization. So I think the answer to your question is long-term it could help to have a floor, but it doesn't resolve the ultimate issue that will continue to persist and cause problems if it's not addressed.
0: Jeremy, the final one from me, and with the knowledge of the CBA negotiations from what you've been through in the past and then from what you've seen, either going back and forth with these currently, what do you think it's going to take to get out of this until we see baseball again?
1: I don't know. I'm, I'm so far removed from it at this point, six years, and um, and there hasn't been a lot of you know, publicity about at least on ESPN networks. Uh, I haven't seen a bunch on that, which is telling in of itself, right? That there's not a lot of coverage there for it. Um, I, I don't know what it's going to take. I, I know I, I, my belief, being deep down inside, is that the owners have all the leverage. There, you know, if, if what they say is true about they don't make money in baseball, or or by playing baseball and playing salaries in essence, they're probably doing better off financially. Financially. Not having games. I mean, I think that's a realistic question to consider. Like, if if they say they lose and then they don't play and they're not paying anybody, are they actually doing better? It's possible. Um, I think obviously, long term, the value of the team, the value of the game, which is way more important than the value of a dollar, is impacted. But I think that's a really tough battle to fight. Um, owners and clubs go on with. All their day-to-day business stuff outside of the game, which is obviously to own a team, you have to have millions and hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, and that's coming from somewhere. Um, the players don't have any revenue coming in, and so they'll be they'll be squeezed and they'll be pressured, and there'll be a lot of family pressure, I think, and personal pressure as well as the fans, because I know, I know deep down inside, as bad as it looks from the outside, players and the teams do have an interest in the fans and it just doesn't look like that in these circumstances it looks as bad as anything can look to the fan and they just they just want to get back to where it's a game and they love the game um it's become very much a business inside of the game and it's being navigated and i think anyone that has a job or is in any industry if they if they look if you could look at it and could have a perspective there eliminate the fact that it's a game but say what is this job and their livelihood i think there would be You know, you would see it a little bit differently, but nonetheless, I don't know what it's going to have to take. It's going to have to take big concessions from one side or the other, hopefully both. That's the ultimate goal. That's what bargaining is, is give and take. That's what life and relationships are, is give and take. It shouldn't be one side gets everything they want and the other side gets nothing. And so it's going to take some humility on both ends to get it done, if I had to put it into one simple phrase.
0: Jeremy, the final thing that I had for you, we've seen a lot in recent days and really over the last few years, honestly, given everything that's taken place in Major League Baseball, some of the comments that he's made, some of the uh, the stains, honestly, on the sport that have taken place under his, uh, his reign as, as commissioner. What is Rob Manfred like in these negotiations? Is is he having? Did he have trouble when you were in the room wrangling together these owners to gain a consensus? And uh, what do you view his role in this current situation?
1: Well, he, his role is extremely important. He is the conduit from the owners, and, and I think in my negotiations, which were two um, that I was a part of. I think I was sat with owners maybe once or twice sitting with owners was not a common thing. And if so, it was like one or two. Um, And obviously that's probably fractionally similar to what the players represent too. If the players bring 40 guys, then that's also probably a similar fraction to one or two owners. It feels like a lot more people, but if there's 750 or 60 players in the big leagues, it's a small fraction as well. Um, But negotiating, what did you say? What is it like to sit across from him? And yeah, to, what is he
0: like as a negotiator? And ha- in your mind, when you were negotiating with him, did you feel like he had a good handle for the other owners? Because that seems to be one thing yeah. that is, it, it, I, I'm having a tough time understanding is, I, I don't know that the owners all seem to be on the same page here. And how much of that is is—is the job of the commissioner to make sure that they are actually on the same page?
1: I, I got a sense for that as well. I, I know how hard it is on the player side to to gain consensus and to gain understanding, and that was some challenges we faced back in, um, you know, back in previous negotiations. There's such a diverse crowd of players, and there is a diverse crowd of owners as well. I would say it's it's a challenging, challenging job. Uh, when we criticize commissioners of leagues, it's easy to target them and say, "Hey, they're terrible at what they do. They're ruining the game." and and certainly they have a major responsibility to that. But it is challenging. I got the sense overall that it was a tough task for him. And at times it was, looked like he had it under control. Other times it looked more challenging. And I think that could be said the same way for Don Fear on our side, uh, the late Michael Wiener, and Tony. I think sometimes it looks like it's clear and there's a good driving force. There's momentum and consensus. And other times it doesn't. So I don't think, I don't think it's a knock on Rob. Um, as a person, I enjoy Rob, um, as a person. And I think as he, as he navigates his job, he has a really tough task and there are certainly times I think it's easy. It's easy for people to point out his mistakes. I think it's, I think it's equally important to point out things that have gone well, uh, under his tenure. But, uh, yes, there are times where it's uncertain and you're, you're not quite sure the whole story is clear and, and communicated. Well enough to all sides. And that's, that's just the nature of it, right? Unless you get all 30 owners in the, in the room together, it's going to be challenging to have that conversation. And you know, successful individuals, you know, in any field have their way of doing things. They have their opinions. So imagine trying to get 30 of the most powerful business people you can find in, in this country and then getting them all to agree on one thing. It's not easy. And I think that's clearly what's happened in this industry and in other industries as well.
0: Hey, Jeremy, we sincerely appreciate you taking so much of your time today to be able to join us here on BK and Ferrario. We wish you all the best, and uh, hopefully next time we're able to talk with you. We're talking about real baseball on the field, and we can break down some of the players that you enjoy watching nowadays.
1: Hey, I appreciate it. I, I am the, by no means uh, the guy or the expert in any of this, and um, you know I, I'm a fan now just like the majority of, of those who are in the game of baseball. Most people are fans and I find myself in that same bucket um, with maybe just a better understanding of both the owners and the players' side. So hopefully something today made some kind of sense, but if not, then uh, just say, you know what, that's just a former washed-up player that has no idea what he's talking about. It wouldn't hurt <laughs> my feelings. It's probably there.
0: Sure. Sure. <laughs> you, know, you, the be- uh, you helped us gain a better understanding of this all, man. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. Have a good one.